Welcome to my mommy's podcast. This episode is brought to you by Neurohacker. As you probably know, being active with my kids and getting everything done for the day depends on me staying in my prime physically and mentally for as long as possible and valuing the most research-backed ingredients known to science for a better and more graceful and optimized aging process. There's something called senescent cells, also known as zombie cells, that are basically worn out cells that are no longer serving a useful function for our health. They can waste our energy and they take nutritional resources. They tend to accumulate in our bodies as we age, leading to things like aches and pains, slow recovery, and sluggish mental and physical energy, and associated with that middle-aged feeling. Senolytic ingredients from Neurohacker are a new thing I'm experimenting with. They're science-backed to support our body's natural elimination of senescent cells. Neurohacker packs seven of the most science-backed senolytic ingredients into a formula called Qualia Senolytic, and you can take it for just two days a month for fast, noticeable benefits and a much better aging process. I've been experimenting with this as well. The formula is non-GMO, vegan and gluten-free, and the ingredients are meant to complement one another, factoring in the combined effect of all of them together. It's also backed by a 100-day money-back guarantee, so you have almost three months to try Qualia Senolytic at no risk and decide for yourself. Go to neurohacker.com slash mama15 and use the coupon code mama15 to save 15% on any purchase. That's N-E-U-R-O-H-A-C-K-E-R dot com slash M-A-M-A 15 and the coupon code MAMA15 to save. This podcast is brought to you by Bond Charge and specifically their revolutionary sauna blanket. I know you've heard me talk about the benefits of sauna before and I've said that if this was a pill, I think everyone would take it because of the really well-researched benefits of sauna on everything from reduction of all-cause mortality, increased longevity, better cardiovascular markers, sauna is in general considered an exercise mimetic, meaning that you get many of the same benefits like sweating, like cardiovascular function, and even lymphatic movement from using sauna regularly. But I know that often it's hard to fit a sauna in a house and saunas can be really, really pricey. And that's why I'm so excited to see things like this sauna blanket entering the market. This can really heat up your wellness routine because you get all the benefits of sauna from detoxifying to better sleep to better skin. Um, This is something I try to make a part of my regular routine at least several times a week. And the blanket makes it even easy to do even if you don't have a lot of space for a regular sauna because you can simply pull out this sauna blanket and roll it out turn up the heat, slip inside, and enjoy the benefits. Easy cleanup with a damp cloth, and then you can just roll it up and store it under a bed or in a closet. I'm a big fan of putting on a podcast or an audiobook and spending 30 to 45 minutes in the sauna, and it feels like a total brain reset and body reset. So I love making this a regular part of my routine. You can check it out by going to bondcharge.com slash wellnessmama and using the code wellnessmama to save 20% on a sauna blanket. Again, that's B-O-N-C-H-A-R-G-E dot com slash wellness mama and use the code wellness mama to save 20%. Hello and welcome to the Wellness Mama podcast. I'm Katie from wellnessmama.com and this episode goes deep on the topic of how chronic joint pain or back pain is actually easy to fix and why fitness is even easier. I know those are bold statements, but we talk about the how in this episode with Jeff Sidwell and he is a fascinating person. It was really fun to get to interview him. Jeff has helped countless people get pain-free and fit for over 18 years, and he's worked with many parents, executives, kids' sports injuries, including athletes in the NFL, the NBA, celebrities, and Olympic athletes. 
but he's found he's most passionate about helping everyday people live their lives in the way they've always envisioned and being healthier and more mobile in their life. What makes him unique is that from the age of 21, he's combined bodywork, physical rehab, and personal training in a unique system. And he said, often you can spend an enormous amount of time and money on seeing multiple practitioners, but he thoroughly studied the best in all of these methodologies and distilled them into a simple formula that he calls relax, rewire, and retrain. And we go deep on his approach today. Uh, We talk about things like why he does a fun yearly event called Challenge the Trainer where his clients and friends can challenge him to do various feats of strength and embarrassing things, and it raises money for charity, why he loves working with parents specifically, his bold statements that chronic pain is easy to fix and becoming fit is even easier. He talks about the simple things that help us stay pain-free and fit as we get older, uh, why certain movements can lead to injury if our bodies aren't ready, how to increase mind-muscle connection for more effective workouts and movement, We talk about his near-death experience and things that have helped shape his mindset around this and why mindset is such a big key. We talk about the nervous system tie-in and why some of these methodologies can actually help improve heart rate variability and sleep because of that, how breath work can burn more fat than exercise, including some really crazy statistics he has and from working with his clients where people lost 15 pounds or more simply by adding breath work and how this makes sense when we understand that 84% of fat loss is through our breath. And he talks about how just 10 to 15 minutes a day of adding in these things can have a substantial result. Like I said, he was a fascinating interview and I have been trying out his online program as well, which I will link to in the show notes. These are relatively easy things that you can do and add into your daily routine that don't take a lot of time. And I've been doing them with my kids, especially my high school athletes to help everybody hopefully stay injury proof especially with the activities that they're doing. And now as I'm training for heptathlon as well. So I learned a lot from Jeff. I, I know that you will as well. So without any further ado, let's join Jeff Sidwell. Jeff, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Well, I have a feeling we're going to get to go in a lot of directions. And I am extremely excited on a personal level to learn from you because this lines up with some things that I'm doing in my own life right now. And you have expertise in many areas that I think synergize really, really well. So I'm very excited for this episode. And we're going to get to go deep on all those topics. But before we do, I have a note from your bio that you do something every year called, the, I think, Challenge the Trainer, where your clients get to challenge you to all kinds of various feats. And I would love to hear how that started and also what are some of the craziest and most fun challenges you've gotten. <laughs> I'm glad you're bringing this up. So it's a fundraiser that I do every year. And the the basic concept is that I put my clients through quote unquote pain all year long. And so you guys have 24 hours to issue a challenge to me of a feat of strength and or make it embarrassing too. And so a lot of clients this past year went more for the embarrassing things than they did for the feats of strength, which was a trip for me. Uh, they, they know my social phobias would be singing in public and dancing. And uh, that was definitely one of them. On, on Pearl Street in Boulder, Colorado, where I live, I had to sing a song from Moana uh, and dance to it. And it was my nightmare. Uh, Pearl Street is one of the busiest streets. It's where a lot of tourists are. And so you can find on my Instagram, nextstep.fit, me singing and doing my best uh, to, to dance the song while, uh, while in public. And it was, it was the absolute worst. But the, the catch that really makes it uh, <laughs> mutually beneficial is the harder the challenge, the more I ask for my clients or patrons to pony up 
to donate to the cause that I'm working on that year. So if you go really embarrassing or really physically challenging, I'm going to say, okay, what are you going to do to match that? Because, uh, because that's, that's a big, big on taking. So we've raised some good money. This recent was recently uh, raising money for a library in Tanzania for a school that I'm connected to. And we're doing a lot of good things. So, so it's fun, but it's 24 hours. It's grueling and it's, it's a blast at the same time. I love that. And I love that you do it to raise money for good causes as well. I think that's such a fun tradition. And um, I'm with you on dancing and singing in public are scary to me as well. I took voice lessons actually to get out of my comfort zone because it was the scariest thing I could imagine. Me too. Me too. And it's still terrifying to me. <laughs> oh, well, that's awesome. I love that. And I think for background and context, I would love for you to explain a little bit about the work you do and maybe especially what interested you on coming on a podcast that's almost exclusively for moms since you don't have kids yourself yet, from what I understand. Correct. Yes. So what I found with my own parents and to, to so many of my clients over the last 18, 19 years is you know, you, you when you have children, whether it's one children or or four or five or six, I, I come from a family of six, um, you know, four four kids and two parents. Uh, it becomes a thing where I see the parents neglect themselves for the love of their kids, and as a result, they get out of shape and they lose some of their social life in different ways. And then at the eighteen to twenty two year, you know, once the kids are up and out of the house. They're trying to really get from behind the eight ball and reclaim their lives, take back their lives. And so what and I saw that with my parents, I saw that with countless clients. And so my passion is really working with everyday people and especially parents, because one, you know, when 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 we're in our 20s and if we haven't had kids yet, we, we envision what kind of parent we think we'll be. And then we start to neglect ourselves through having, you know, when we have kids and and all of a sudden we get aches and pains and we get out of shape and we can't be that parent that, that we envisioned ourselves being. And so I want everybody to be the mom and the dad, the spouse, the, the coworker, the friend that they want to be pain-free and fit. And it takes less than 20 minutes a day to help do that. And so this is why I want to be on this podcast is because there's a very simple way to get pain-free and fit regardless of how much you have going on. It's just finding those little moments in the day to implement your own self-care and be who you want to really be. Yeah, I love that approach. I've learned many things from my kids over the years, but one of the lessons they've taught me is that while what we say is important, what we model is even more important. And that's actually been a big driver for me in trying not just to maintain my fitness, but improve it as I get older, also to keep up with them as they become more and more athletic. But you make a couple bold statements on your social media, and I've seen you talk about this online, and I love this. You say that chronic pain is easy to fix and getting fit is even easier. And I would guess many people haven't quite had that experience at times. So I would love for you to explain those statements, and then we can build from there. Yes. So chronic pain is just a indication of a lack of homeostasis, meaning your body wants to be pain-free. And when we are imbalanced, meaning carrying a kid on your right hip and your right arm, but not your left hip and your left arm, when we are imbalanced and we do the same repetitive patterns over and over again, we no longer have homeostasis. And at some point, that's going to show up as pain. And so all we need to do is maintain balance, which is, again, 20 minutes a day or less, the right stretches, the right exercises in the right order, keep you pain-free, keep you balanced, and therefore you're in homeostasis. And the, the shocking thing is good posture should feel good and bad posture should feel bad. And most of the time when we try to practice good posture, 
we almost feel like we're military, like we're really trying to force our shoulders down and back. But no, if we position the body to be balanced front to back and left to right, our shoulders want to be down and back. Our abs want to be slightly engaged. Our low back doesn't want to be compressed, which especially with a kid on one, one hip or, you know, women have more uh, of this, you know, arched back where, where you get compression in the low back. It's with those things come at some point chronic pain. And so 15 stretches and exercises a day keeps you balanced and, and, and keeps your body active in the way it's supposed to be. And then all of a sudden, pain doesn't have to exist. Uh, TMJ, tension, headaches, migraines, uh, carpal tunnel, plantar fascia, none of these things have to exist if we just have the right basic methodology, the right foundation. Yeah, that's definitely encouraging. And you mentioned, or you touched on a couple that I would guess are like very common for new parents, like with the low back pain or the hip imbalance from holding a baby. I've certainly experienced that. What are some of the most common kind of imbalances that you see in parents, especially? Yeah, so it's, it is it is the low back, the hips, and one shoulder more than the other. I mean, I can look at countless moms and their right shoulder or their left shoulder is higher than the other. And in the middle of that is the spine. Between, you, between you know, left to right is your spine. And chiropractors are super valuable. And also, you don't have to be dependent on them because if you keep those muscles relaxed, then the spine isn't being pulled to one way more than the other. And then the, the spine isn't out of alignment. And so all these little things where it's it's neck and shoulder pain and it's hips and low back, those are the primary. And of course, when women are, are in pregnancy, it's plantar fasciitis also. And I have a, uh, uh, a great client way back in the day when I was 23, I'm 39 now. Uh, her name was Damien and she was on her fourth kid. And I had not worked with her for the previous three. I was new in my career, hadn't met her before. And she's pregnant when I meet her, about two months pregnant. And she's like, well, at month four, I get sciatic nerve pain. At month five, I get plantar fasciitis. And at month nine, I get tension headaches. And she had none of those through working with me because we just did the right stretches and the right exercises. And then past that, she was usually on bed rest for four days after giving birth. That was just her body. It was so traumatic to her body. And after working with me, she was on bed rest for six hours and she showered that same day and all these things. So it's really phenomenal how much of this doesn't have to exist. But to your point, it's low back pain, hips and neck and shoulders every time. That makes sense. And because everything's so connected, like I've seen that play out for me with pregnancy is if your hips are imbalanced, that's going to affect how you're walking. So your knees and your ankles may also experience issues. Or I had a friend explain to me one time, I thought I was having just hip pain. And he was like, yeah, but look at your knee, look at your ankle. Like all of these things downstream are being affected because of this imbalance. And I also loved his approach because he was similar. He said, you know, chiropractors are great. All of these healing modalities are great. Body work is great. However, you're not having this issue because of a body work deficiency or a chiropractor deficiency. You still want to also address what's going on in your, how you're moving or sitting or going through life that's leading to this in the first place. And it sounds like that's very much what your approach is. And I feel like you're also very encouraging because you talk about this not being a two hour a day of cardio at the gym type endeavor, that this is actually very achievable, even for people as busy as parents. So what are some of those core things that for parents, especially we need to integrate? Yeah. So what we are terrible at is, (laughs) well, let me start with what we're good at. We're really good at doing the action but we're really bad at treating the reaction. And so we say, okay, I'm going to get in shape and I only have 20 minutes. I'm going to go run. And we haven't run in two years. And when we run or, or let's say jog, cause that's where most of us are. When we jog, 
it is a three to one ratio, meaning it's your body weight times three that the earth presses into you. So you you take that jogging step and, and your body weight presses down into the earth and the earth presses three times your body weight back into your body. So if, you know, nobody wants to do this exercise, but if I take 180 pounds, which is what I weigh times three, I haven't trained to be able to handle that amount of weight, you know? Like, and so if I haven't, then of course I'm going to get injured in the meantime because I'm doing calculus when my body is only ready for addition and subtraction. And so... When we think, okay, I've got limited time and I'm going to go get it. I'm going to get, get after it. We miss the mark a lot of times. And so, and so for every action, you know, there's that equal and opposite reaction of sorts. And, and we have to stretch, you know, as much as we, we exercise. And, and what I like about the method, methodology that I've developed is that almost every exercise I do with my clients has a stretch component and a flexion. So squats usually just build tension and we usually work the wrong muscles when we do squats. The squats I have people do has a stretch component for the inner thighs and the outer hips and the low back, and then a flexion component to build strength on those muscles plus the quads. So long story short, I would say if you're if you don't have a good stretch to strength ratio, then you're just likely going to compile tension in your body, which will lead to pain. And then therefore, subconsciously, your mind will say, I'm in pain when I work out. I shouldn't work out anymore. My heel hurts when I when I jog or when I walk. I'm less likely to jog or walk then. And that's just a subconscious protection, but that we do that year over year and we end up where we don't want to be, which is out of shape and in pain and and not energized and all these things. That makes sense and it sounds like these could also be very much proactive for any of us listening who have kids who are very athletic or in sports, I would guess some of these same things that they can start them at an earlier age can also help sort of injury proof them as they go through that as well. Yes. I, uh, <laughs> I was always a runt. Uh, you know, I was always, when, when I was 14, uh, going into high school, I was 95 pounds and four foot 11. Okay. But I was always biomechanically minded. I always knew how the body should work. It was, it, you know, it's a gift of some sort. And and so I would be working out with the football team because my brother was on the football team and the coaches would steal the cues and the things that I was doing different and share it with the actual football players. And kids are so many, so many coaches, even to this day in 2023, are not good at strengthening conditioning. And so kids are getting injured at an increased rate. Coaches are having them do more pain, more gain workouts and none of that has to be the case to get the best results. Uh, so if kids can learn to use the right muscles correctly, they'll be stronger than they've ever been and safer for the long term. So, you know, we we're like, man, if I didn't do the, those things when I was 20, I would be so much better when I was 40. It's like that doesn't have to exist for parents and for kids. We can reverse all of that and change change the culture. Yeah, I think that's such important context. And you touched on this, but the idea of no pain, no gain, which you definitely hear, at least in high school sports, especially ones like football, it seems. And you've said that that is antiquated. And I would love for you to explain why and what a better approach would be. Yeah. So again, for everyday people, it is about neuromuscular activation. And so what that means is mind to muscle. Most of our bodies are only operating at 30 or 40% muscularly. So when you go to pick up a dumbbell, you're actually usually only recruiting about 40% of the muscle that's available. 
And so if I can teach you how to implement or activate 20, 30, 40, 50 more percent, it's, in, it's almost impossible to get 100% muscular activation. But if we can get somebody up to 80% when two weeks ago they were at 40%, they are, and this isn't hyperbole, they are twice as strong. And so most of us, again, are only using 40% and it doesn't take pain. It just takes increasing the neurology, the, the, the mind-to-body connection, the mind-to-muscle connection to get strong. And that's not pain. That's not I'm doing, you know, 90 minutes on the treadmill. That's not I'm throwing big weight around to try to grow a muscle. That's just waking things up that are already there and then building incremental strength on it. So more pain, more gain is 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 uh, bogus, if I can use a uh, family-friendly word. And, and really, it's about just every day, if I can do some simple things to wake up the muscles, then you get, well, it, women love this trick. I teach everybody, but I teach uh, women especially how to use your glutes when you walk, which you should be doing anyway, but most of us are just using our quads. Nobody wants to get bigger quads, right? <laughs> like, like women work out and they're like, well, my thighs got bigger and my butt stayed the same. Like that's not the result that anybody's going for. But when I teach women, you can use your glutes when you walk. And then all of a sudden you see, oh, I'm not doing a ton of glute exercises every day, but I'm every step I take, ideally 10,000 steps a day, that's 5,000 mini contractions for the glute. My butt looks bigger and I'm not doing anything more. Or I mean, big, bigger, better, <laughs> excuse me, <laughs> better. And I'm not doing anything more. It's just now my, my, my butt's activated. And so my glutes and my, my, my backside looks, you know, lifted and, and more toned because I'm using it all during all the little things as opposed to just 90 minute workouts three times a week. And I know you have resources for this online. I'm going to make sure we link to them in the show notes because I'm sure a lot of this is much more easily explained in visuals than just us talking. But are there any, can you give examples or cues specific to, I think using glutes while walking is such an important one. And I know it's one I've been trying to learn also. So selfishly, I would love for you to just explain a little bit more. And I'll also link to where people can find the how-to. Yes. So bridges, you know, the, the exercise bridges lying on your back. So, so if you lie on your back, you bend your knees and so your feet are flat. Everybody has, you know, done a bridge, whether it's in yoga class, which I teach yoga also, or whether it's in a workout or anything else. But most people are using quads and calves and therefore straining their low back as opposed to using their glutes and their hamstrings. The easiest cue in the world to get your glutes to engage is to press through your heels. So you relax the rest of the foot and you press the heel down and your butt will flex. And you can even do this kind of almost while you're seated. If you press your heels down, you'll see yourself lift through your glutes a little bit or a leg extension when you're standing and doing a standing leg extension where your, your straight leg is just going back a little bit. If you relax the foot, which relaxes the calf and the quad, and then just bring the heel back, you'll flex your glute in a way that you haven't felt before. When you flex your foot and, and here's on the visual for anybody watching this, uh, uh, you know, on, on um, YouTube and everything. If you flex your foot, your shin and your calf flex. And then all of a sudden your shin and your calf are doing some of the work and you're not actually getting that work to the glute. So people are doing the right exercises, but using the wrong muscles. So the starting point would be lie on your back, bend your knees so your feet are flat, press the heels down to lift your hips and you'll feel your glutes in a more effective way. And then we can teach you how to use that when you're actually in motion with walking or anything else. 
And I feel like this is especially an important one as we get older as well, because I've talked before, it's a little bit of a soapbox for me, but about muscle being the organ of longevity. And we know statistically, the more muscle we have, typically the less risk of all-cause mortality, it correlates with a lot of increased health as we get older. So I've had personally a big focus on building and retaining muscle and mobility I'm curious with this, so it makes sense that you'd see an immediate change just from muscle recruitment, but does this also help us build muscle over time so that we're increasing strength and muscle mass? Yes, yes. And and women, you know, I have a lot of women that are afraid of getting bulk because what you just shared, like people are like, oh my God, I'm going to get bulky. It's like, and, and CrossFit, you know, is showing more and more women with like super ripped abs, super ripped arms, and and that's all okay. They're usually supplementing in a big way. Um, but Women just with different testosterone levels have in an exponential level compared to men. Men have exponentially more testosterone. Women are not going to gain bulk unless you're really working for that. So with that said, yes, the more muscle you can develop, and, and again, if the whole muscle is active, then you can build strength on the whole muscle. And so most of us, you know, guys are notorious for doing push-ups and they get kind of one part of their pec developed, but not the rest of their pec developed. And women, you know, get one part of their glute developed, but not the rest of the glute. If you can wake up that whole muscle, meaning mind-to-muscle connection that we talked about, then you're building strength and flexibility on the whole muscle. And that's where the the value, that's the secret sauce to longevity within working out. I want to be, you know, I'm 39 and I gratefully can do anything that I want to do physically because I have the right methodology that positions me to do that. So I decided to run ultra marathons for two and a half years. And all I had to do was make sure that my ratio was right. If I'm doing the right strengthening and the right stretching, I was pain-free and fit for for two and a half years of running 70 miles uh, a week plus. And it just takes, and, and, and I, I share that because if I can beat the tar out of my body for, for two and a half years and never get one injury. That means everybody else can be pain-free and fit too. It's just more muscle in the right way gets you uh, pain-free and fit until you're 70, 80, 90 the, for a lifetime, you know? And that's that's my goal for myself and for everybody else. Well, and I can definitely attest to what you said about, I used to actually have that belief that I didn't want to lift heavy weights because I didn't want to get bulky. And now having done that consistently for a few years, it's so laughable to me in hindsight that I thought I was going to like sneeze and get bulky when I've worked so hard and I, while I'm getting leaner and stronger, I'm definitely not getting bulkier. So I always like to encourage that for women. I also want to talk about the distinction and make sure people understand. So when we're talking about being pain-free, this is also like injury and chronic pain versus is it normal to be sore when we add in new movements that we haven't done before to have like some muscle soreness while we adapt? For sure. For sure. There's there's a transition for everything. And even I, I keep the humble attitude, like I do a lot of different styles of workouts. But if I do a new style of workout, I plan on being the worst person in the class and also sore for a couple of days, just because it's, even if I've done movements that are similar, they're not the exact same. And so you're going to have some soreness in that meantime, lactic acid and micro tears generally are, are happening. And so there is, you know, some of that discomfort, but then after, you know, a couple of weeks of, of doing that new movement, the pain goes away. You know, my, my client back in the day, uh, his name was Chip and he was the most type A client I've had to date. He brought in five years worth of spreadsheets on his health and fitness, and he had the more pain, more gain, more more gain mentality. And I looked at it for about a minute just to be polite. And I was like, all right, forget everything you've ever known. And he came in the next week. He's like, I'm not sore after any of our workouts. Are we going to get results? 
And sure enough, I was like, stay with me. You know, my methodology works. It's not more pain. And this is 17, 18 years ago. It's not more pain, more gain. And sure enough, he had a lower body fat percentage and better flexibility, less pain and more muscle by doing a methodology that isn't beating the heck out of the body. It's just, it's treating it well. You should feel better after a workout instead of worse. But most of us are just trying to beat ourselves up and get back to work and, and it's not working for us. It's, it's creating more chronic stress and therefore more chronic pain. And you touched on something from a mindset component that I absolutely love. And it's a struggle for me with that idea of you walk into new movements with the anticipation that you're going to be the worst at it at the beginning and you still are willing to try it. I think for a lot of people, at least type A firstborn types like me, it's hard to want to do a thing you're not already good at, but also some of the most valuable things in life come on the other end of that comfort zone. But I feel like this touches on a mindset piece and I would love to hear more about your mindset because in researching your bio, it sounds like you have quite an incredible life story already that you've been sober for quite some time, that you had a near-death experience. And I would guess things like that have really helped form your mindset, which the older I get, the more I learn, it seems like it's 90% mindset. And then if we get our mindset right, the rest comes more naturally. So I would love to hear kind of the evolution of your mindset and some of these kind of pivotal experiences. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been a trip, uh, quite literally. And the first thing I'll share, just to answer the question directly, is we have a lot of self-imposed stress. We have chosen a lot of our stressors in our life, and so and, and working out is the epitome of that. How many people complain about working out and they grimace when they're working out and all this stuff? And I'm like, I, I try to go to the gym and not be annoying where I'm like smiling the whole time, but I at least try to keep a neutral face, if not smiling at some point, because why am I going to complain about something I signed up for? You know, like <laughs> I am here and this is making me better. And even if it's uncomfortable in the meantime, why am I complaining and grumpy and all that? It's like, no, I'm lucky to be able to work out. I am lucky to be able to move as I do. And so first things first, a lot of our stressors are self-imposed. And so how much can I really complain about them? Uh, secondly, yeah, um, when I was 25, gratefully, um, life had given me enough evidence or I had collected enough evidence to say, you know what? I don't think drinking is just a fun hobby. I think I think I actually have a problem. And um, and so gratefully, I got sober at 25. Unfortunately, and, and this is some of the framing you're talking about. Unfortunately, my brother passed away from his alcoholism two months into my sobriety. And talk about framing. It's like some people are like, oh, you know, that's so sad. You get sober and then your brother passes away, uh, which is absolutely true. But, but you know, it's like I had the mindset I got myself sober. I'm going to help my brother get sober. And then we're going to help anybody else that wants or needs to get sober, get sober. And that's not what life said. Life, you know, life all of a sudden, you know, my brother passes away and I'm like, okay, life got me into recovery just in the nick of time so that I could give the right eulogy. I could honor my brother's life in the right way. And that I wasn't going to act on my addiction as a result of his passing. And gratefully, I've stayed sober for 14 years. But but that framing of that mindset, you know, some people had pity and victim for me. And, and while it was the worst, like the worst happened and, and terrible and sad, what, there wasn't a it's like there was a level of gratitude for me being able to get sober beforehand so that I could properly live and, and live from an inspired state and carry my brother's uh, uh, spirit with me throughout the rest of my life. And then my near death experience was. Uh, five or six years ago, uh, coming up on six years ago. And I was doing free diving training for, I was going to Hawaii in a month and I wanted to 
without scuba equipment. I wanted to dive down 40 feet and hold my breath for a couple minutes and hang with octopus and lobster and all this stuff. And so I was training for that. And in the pool, I went unconscious and I was underwater for about five and a half minutes total. I could hold my breath for three minutes in the morning uh, or, or two and a half minutes in the afternoon. And, uh, you know, after coffee and movement and all that type of stuff. And, um, and I went unconscious and they, they pulled me out. They did CPR. I, I was unconscious. I was seizing. They got me to the hospital gratefully. Uh, that was nearby. There was an off-duty lifeguard that was teaching children how to swim. So sadly, I had to go back a couple of weeks later and be like, hey, kids, I'm okay. <laughs> like you saw something traumatic, but I went back and talked to them a couple of times. But all of that said, I was in a coma for two and a half days and in the hospital for seven, and I, I gratefully came out fine. I have less than a 1% chance of being here as I am. I was either, I had a 95, 96% chance of dying and uh, a great chance of being a vegetable, essentially. Um, and instead, two and a half days in a coma, I woke up and I was like, how are you guys doing? <laughs> and doctors were crying, nurses were crying, my family was crying, miracle was thrown out there. Uh, a number of times from the doctors themselves. And after being self-employed for, I think, nine or 10 years at that time, my mindset, what I, what I learned from that was, even when I'm completely out of control, the universe, life, higher power, God can still be supportive. And life is still supportive. And being self-employed, it's like I have to be the bookkeeper. And then I have to submit that to my C C uh, CPA and I've got to do my marketing. And I've got to do my customer service. There's so many things I have to control that in this moment when I had no control, things were still synergistically in place that, that gratefully in this moment, the, the best worked out. And so it taught me to relax. It taught me to let go, trust pro the process more nine years being self-employed and probably made me a little too uptight. Um, and it was just a really good reset to say, okay, even when you weren't trying to manage everything, even when you couldn't manage everything, life still had your back. Um, so, so that really taught me to, again, get back in the flow of things and, and be of service to people and, and fully thrive instead of try to kind of control and, and manage and all that, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And that's quite the story. I feel like for me as well, looking back, it's the toughest moments of life that I end up being the most grateful for because they're the most formative and impactful. And not that I would have chosen some of those experiences, but I wouldn't trade them either. And it sounds like the same is true for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, you know, we, we all have our stuff and it's just, can I find a centered place and respond accordingly? Or do I get into reaction mode for uh, as a result and, and get off center for, you know, months, years, decades, any of that. So yeah, I'm with you on that. This episode is brought to you by Neurohacker. As you probably know, being active with my kids and getting everything done for the day depends on me staying in my prime physically and mentally for as long as possible and valuing the most research-backed ingredients known to science for a better and more graceful and optimized aging process. There's something called senescent cells, also known as zombie cells, that are basically worn out cells that are no longer serving a useful function for our health. They can waste our energy and they take nutritional resources. They tend to accumulate in our bodies as we age, leading to things like aches and pains, slow recovery, and sluggish mental and physical energy, and associated with that middle-aged feeling. Senolytic ingredients from Neurohacker are a new thing I'm experimenting with. 
They're science-backed to support our body's natural elimination of senescent cells. Neurohacker packs seven of the most science-backed senolytic ingredients into a formula called Qualia Senolytic, and you can take it for just two days a month for fast, noticeable benefits and a much better aging process. I've been experimenting with this as well. The formula is non-GMO, vegan and gluten-free, and the ingredients are meant to complement one another, factoring in the combined effect of all of them together. It's also backed by a 100-day money-back guarantee, so you have almost three months to try Qualia Senolytic at no risk and decide for yourself. Go to neurohacker.com slash mama15 and use the coupon code mama15 to save 15% on any purchase. That's N-E-U-R-O-H-A-C-K-E-R.com slash M-A-M-A-15 and the coupon code MAMA15 to save. This podcast is brought to you by Bond Charge and specifically their revolutionary sauna blanket. I know you've heard me talk about the benefits of sauna before and I've said that if this was a pill, I think everyone would take it because of the really well-researched benefits of sauna on everything from reduction of all-cause mortality, increased longevity, better cardiovascular markers, sauna is in general considered an exercise mimetic, meaning that you get many of the same benefits like sweating, like cardiovascular function, and even lymphatic movement from using sauna regularly. But I know that often it's hard to fit a sauna in a house and saunas can be really, really pricey. And that's why I'm so excited to see things like this sauna blanket entering the market. This can really heat up your wellness routine because you get all the benefits of sauna from detoxifying to better sleep to better skin. Um, This is something I try to make a part of my regular routine at least several times a week. And the blanket makes it even easy to do even if you don't have a lot of space for a regular sauna because you can simply pull out this sauna blanket and roll it out Turn up the heat, slip inside, and enjoy the benefits. Easy cleanup with a damp cloth, and then you can just roll it up and store it under a bed or in a closet. I'm a big fan of putting on a podcast or an audiobook and spending 30 to 45 minutes in the sauna, and it feels like a total brain reset and body reset. So I love making this a regular part of my routine. You can check it out by going to bondcharge.com slash wellnessmama and using the code wellnessmama to save 20% on a sauna blanket. Again, that's B-O-N-C-H-A-R-G-E dot com slash wellnessmama and use the code wellnessmama to save 20%. I'd love to talk more about the kind of proofing ourselves against chronic pain side as well. Like I mentioned, I know you have a whole video library related to that that I will link to in the show notes if you want to maybe give some context on that as well. But I feel like some objections that people might have listening might be things like, does this require a tremendous amount of equipment or time or money? Um, so I'd love to address some of those because I think for parents, especially, those are some top of mind concerns. For sure. For sure. So uh, one, to all your listeners, I will have a link giving you guys 30% off because I'm grateful to be here. And again, this is a this is a segment of of people that I especially love helping from my own, seeing my own parents to seeing most of my clients. I want to help you guys, so I'm, and I know that the budget can be tight, so I want to give you guys 30% off. With that, the subscription comes with all the equipment you need. I do have limit, you know, limited quantities, but uh, but you know, there's a there's a pain free and fit kit that comes with the subscription. And so, uh, if um, you know, as long as supplies last, I will be able to send that with it. And if not, I'll adjust the price. But it's two ninety seven minus the thirty percent uh, for six months access. And it includes all the equipment. It's free, you know, shipped free to you guys, and uh, and then you have everything you need in this gym bag for to be pain free and fit. And with that, it's simply 
if we get the ratio right, we're pain-free and fit, meaning a three-to-one ratio is what I landed on. If, if we say, I'm going to work out for an hour and then stretch afterwards, we never stretch afterwards. <laughs> you know. So if we say, whatever our mind, whatever amount of time our mind has allotted to work out, take off 25% and your workout is going to be 45 minutes and your stretching will be 15 minutes. And, and that keeps you pain-free and fit for a lifetime. If, the, if you're doing your traditional at the gym workouts. Now, if you access my video library, then it is, I've got pain-free protocols. So if you've got tension headaches, there's four stretches that resolve 80 plus percent of everyone's migraines and tension headaches. And I got a story about that. Um, if you want to get fit, there's a get fit uh, library that has the right exercises with some stretches. And, uh, and like I said, most exercises have a stretch in them. So you get, you get this full access, 24-7 access to pain-free uh, protocols and get fit protocols and all the equipment's provided. And again, my workouts are 20, maybe maybe the most advanced one might be 30 minutes, but I, I, I it's somewhere between 20 and 30 minutes. And that's all it really takes to get the changes you want to cha- you know, you want to do. Nutrition does factor in, but it's all about intrinsic motivation. So let's start with getting pain-free and then let's start with getting fit. And then if you want accelerated, you know, weight loss or if you want accelerated energy gains, then we talk nutrition too. But get pain-free so you don't have any physical impedances, get fit the right way, and then choose your adventure after that. One thing I've noticed anecdotally, but I'm wondering if you know of any backing for this, is that when I do things like stretching and mobility regularly, I see improvements in sleep, but especially in HRV. And my only thought is that this might be something related to the nervous system and the body feeling more at ease because you're more balanced. But have you seen that with other clients? I've just always been curious why that is. Yeah. At the most basic level, when you're taking pressure off your spine, your central nervous system feels better. And the, (laughs) I'll get real nerdy here for a moment. The dura matter in your brain actually goes, travels down all the way to your low back. And so when you can stretch your low back, when you can stretch, you know, do some mobility, you know, cat cow posture from yoga, when you can stretch your neck a little bit, your brain is actually getting your central nervous system to all the way up to the brain is getting relief. And so sleep definitely will be improved. And, you know, with that comes HRV and, you know, a less stressed state for the body. So that's a great observation. And it's the one-on-one level is just your traction and you're, t- you're giving space to what is usually compressed by gravity all day, every day. And uh, that's relaxing to the body. body. The body thanks you. It's nourishing. And you mentioned it all kind of starts here and that you can build on with nutrition or with other things once you kind of get these basics figured out. And I've had that approach realizing more and more over the years is that while it's really enticing to want to try all these new biohacks or supplements or all the fancy things, it's those foundational things that really over time make the biggest impact. And at the very least, we need to get those dialed in before we add on the fancy biohacks or the expensive supplements, because then those things are going to work better. And so I go back to on the nutrition side and the the work I do more on things like morning sunlight, getting your nutrition dialed in, improving your sleep, just basics like that, getting some movement figured out before you're trying to add in very specific workouts or really heavy strength training or red lights or whatever the things are. But I'm curious from your approach, what would be those things for you? Obviously, these are going to be foundational core things that everyone can benefit from. But do you find value in more specific biohacks or other add-ons once people get these dialed in? Yes. Yeah. So again, the the body 
if it's not in homeostasis, if it's got friction, if it's got, you know, tension patterns pulling you more one way than the other, all these supplements can benefit, but, but you're wasting a lot of money. And so let's, you know, they, they've got their place, but, but there's, uh, there's, you know, you're not getting everything out of it. And so, yes, get the muscles. My, my basic methodology is relax, rewire, retrain. And so relax dysfunctional muscles, rewire them to work properly, and then build strength. And if you do those things, you'll find you don't need, like you said, if you stretch, you feel you, you don't need the sleep supplement nearly as much as you did without stretching. It's like all these dependencies aren't necessary. What is necessary is a little bit of an attention span, 20 minutes, you know, it's, it's, we've got such a flavor of the month and, you know, Instagram where it's like 90 second bicep blast type of stuff. And it's like, ah, let's, let's give it 20 minutes a day and you're great. Um, that, that's all it really requires because our body is phenomenal and our body wants to be healthy and whole and in the proper homeostasis. And so if we position it that way, it'll stay that way. And then you can say, like, sleep is my biggest health challenge. You know, I'm fine with stretching. I'm fine with doing activity. I'm fine with meditating and breath work and all these things. Sleep has always been my challenge. So then I take a supplement for sleep, but I don't need a supplement for 16 other things because I have my body in homeostasis in a lot of ways. And then the other thing I'd say is just breath work cannot be, I'll say, oversold. (laughs) When we are stressed, we only use 20% of our breath, 20% of our lungs. And if a company operates at 20%, it fails. And if our bodies only have 20% of its oxygen that it needs, it's no surprise that anxiety is up or depression is up or lethargy is up. You know, it's like going to work and your, your keyboard doesn't work. You know, the computer monitor is on, but you can't type anything. You know, or if you had, you know, headphones on like you do, but you can't actually, uh, but your microphone isn't working, we're not going to be able to do our thing. And so without oxygen and with that comes hydration, I would say, you know, you know, drink water so you can deliver H2O. Um, Without that basic need, our body can't function as it needs to. And then what people don't know is, and and biohack always cracks me up because it, it sounds new, but most of the biohacks are ancient. Cold exposure and breath work and all these things are ancient. And the the fitness world is just redesigning them to be new and revolutionary when we've known this for 5,000 plus years. Breath work actually burns fat uh, as much, if not more, than anything else. And nobody knows that. Nobody accepts that. And if you have time for a story, I'd love to tell you how how a client uh, a new client uh, uh, did that just through breath work. He lost 15 pounds. Can I could I share that real quick? Yeah, absolutely. Please do. So. This person came in and he had been busting his butt for months and he had lost 30 pounds, but he still had uh, about 25 pounds that he could lose and wanted to lose. And he had plateaued. So he, he, he busted his butt. He was working out every day of the week and he had plateaued for the last couple months. And he's like, I don't know what's going on. I've seen some of your content on next, you know, on, on Instagram. It looks great. And I said, you know, what you're actually missing, like, yes, we cleaned up some of his form on his workouts, on his exercises, but what you're actually missing is breath work. And, you know, he cocked his head sideways. And I told the story, uh, we all, most of us know the, the magician, David Blaine. So David Blaine went to set the world record for the longest breath hold. 
And this was back probably 2001. I think I was 17. I've always been an exercise science nerd and all this. Uh, I was 17, and I was watching the two-hour special. He was going to put himself in a hamster ball full of water on Times Square and hold his breath for the world record. And so I'm watching this two-hour special about his process. And he said, I lost the most weight when? And then it cut to commercial. I was like, all right, he's going to say some kind of Mario Lopez cardio kickboxing or some kind of Taibo or whatever, you know, all the things that were trending. He's going to say something like that. I'm going to be frustrated. Let's see what he says. And he came back from commercial. He said, I lost the most weight when I dove into my deep breathing exercises. And so I shared this with this client and I showed him one breath exercise to do. And he did it for 15 days straight. And I told him, I was like, for the first six days, nothing's going to happen. And after that, you're going to lose three to five pounds. And then after that, you're going to plateau again for a couple of days. And after that, you'll lose a few more pounds. I saw him 15 days later and he had lost 13 pounds. And it was just because he did breath work. That is fascinating. And I would guess is new information for a lot of people listening. Do you have any idea what's going on physiologically, like why that process is so rapid and what's happening in the body that allows that release of weight? Yes. So adipose tissue, fatty tissue is oxygen soluble. And so oxygen has to have time to get into an adipose, a fat cell, and actually chip away at it, break it down. But when our heart rate is 170 because we're thinking more pain, more gain, and I've got to run as hard as I can on the treadmill. It doesn't have time to get into the adipose tissue. And so it grabs fast food, which is a carbohydrate. And if we're overtraining, it's even worse. It grabs carbohydrates and protein, our muscle. Uh, but but so if we can slow down and, and work out again, I, the neutral face or smiling when I work out, if I'm in a parasympathetic state as best I can, if I'm reminding my body that, yes, I'm stressing myself by choice, but I don't have to be stressed. Uh, our body will let go of what we wanted to let go of and gain what we wanted to gain, which is muscle. And so the other easy example is, is oxygen is like a combustible engine for, for fat cells. So it gets into that fat cell and it just burn, it literally will help burn it up. And, and we can, we actually exhale. Here's the other thing about breath work. When we say we burned fat or we lost weight, and, and somebody uh, posed the question, where did it go? If we lost it, where can we find it? He did a scientific study on it. And 84% of weight loss, of fat loss, is through your breath. So if you're doing cardio or if you're doing breath work and you're losing weight, 84% of it is exhaled and the rest is, you know, waste product. Uh, but but it's just that simple. It's it's If we can dive into, and I'll, I'll provide a free video for you guys on square breathing, which is... Uh, what my client used to burn 13 pounds in 15 days, the body will let go. Like when it's in homeostasis and we're encouraging it to let go of things that we wanted to let go, it will. But if we're stressed, it's going to hold on to what we don't want it to hold on to. I will make sure to link to that video in the show notes as well for you guys listening on the go. All of that's always at wellnessmama.fm. Um, but it sounds like this is also another one that's not a massive time commitment. But what amount of breathing per day um, or breath work, right? We're breathing all day long, but what amount of breath work per day do typically people do to see those kind of results? Yeah. If you wanted to focus on breath work, it would be 10 to 15 minutes. And this is where people start to get frustrated. We're like, well, he said 20 minutes and now it's an extra 15 minutes. And I'm sure he's going to say, you know, do this for another 20 minutes. Like, no, no, no. Like if you want to focus on breath work just for 15 minutes, 20 minutes uh, a day for two weeks, you'll see results. 
And then if you want to do 10 minutes breath work and 10 minutes of stretching, you'll see results. And if you want to do 10 minutes of the right workouts, the right exercises in the right way, and 10 minutes of breath work, like you start to mix and match and say, okay, like when I was running a lot, I was meditating less, but I was stretching a lot also. And I was like, okay, I'm going to drop off on my meditation a little bit because we can't do everything. You know, I always say if we did everything we need to do to take care of ourselves, we want to have time for a full-time job. We want to have time for kids and a, a spouse. But if we just mix and match and say, okay, I'm running more, I better treat the reaction to my body more. So I stretched more, but I left meditation a little bit, you know, and then now that I'm running less, I'm meditating more and we just let things ebb and flow. And so if, if you just want to do breath work, 20 minutes, do it safely. Always check with your doctor for all these things first. And then with breath work too, I'll say this disclaimer, do it lying down because if you've been hypo oxygenated, meaning under oxygenated, and then you give yourself a lot of oxygen, oxygen, you're going to get lightheaded. And I don't want you to be in a chair. I don't want you to fall down. I don't want you to be driving for sure. Just lie down and do breath work for a week like that. And then sitting, you know, breath work is probably okay after that. And I'm personally a big fan of habit stacking of any time I can put multiple things together to help integrate them. Is there a time of day that is better or worse for any of these things? For instance, morning sunlight is a regular habit for me. Could someone do some of these stretching movements in the morning while getting sunlight? Is breath work better before bed or does it really not matter timing as long as we're getting these things in? Yeah. So I love that too. And when I, one of my favorite stretches, because I'm a very lazy stretcher is legs up the wall. And so what you do is you scoot, you, you go up to a wall, you sit down next to it, and then you bring your legs up the wall and you're lying on your back. So you're at a 90 degree angle with your feet up. And that is traction for the low back. That is a light stretch for the hamstrings and the calves. And that's also stretching uh, fascia. And it's also stretching that dura matter that connects to the brain. And so that one stretch does wonders for everybody, especially for new parents with kids on a hip and all that. But then I do my breath work during that too. And I also listen to a podcast. <laughs> and, and then all of a sudden I'm, I'm, I'm learning something, I'm breathing, which I'll count as meditation too sometimes. Because let's be real, if we're type A and we're in the middle of a day, like meditation is really just reducing thoughts and trying to increase calmness, not actually get enlightened. So all of a sudden I am doing some level of meditation, breath work, stretching, and learning something. It's the best thing you can possibly do. Or like you said, sunlight. I'll bring my meditation mat out because I get sunlight the first first thing in the morning too. I'll bring my meditation mat out and just sit in the backyard facing the sun and then do some breath work there. I love the tip of putting legs up. I've just I've noticed for me that that tends to help me fall asleep more quickly when I do it at night. And it seems like there's some fascinating data on how that's also supportive for the lymphatic system because you're allowing like anything that's kind of pooling in the legs to drain. That was helpful for me during pregnancy as well. And I didn't know about the low back traction, but it makes sense. So that's, it seems like an easy one that could be habit stacked. And also for parents listening, I'm curious, I've found that like anytime I've been like, oh, I wish my kids wanted to do music lessons and then realized, oh, actually I'm doing that because I want to do music and I never did. I should just do music. And then ironically, they wanted to once I started. When parents integrate this, it seems to have a great ripple effect because then the kids become more interested, especially when they're younger. Are a lot of these things, things we can do with our kids to integrate them as a habit and make them part of family culture? Yes, for sure. And my favorite clients uh, were some of my first clients, uh, uh, Doug and Linda, Lisa and Ryan, and their daughter, Meredith. And what happened was Lisa, the, the uh, you know, the, the parent of Meredith, 
she came in and started getting pain-free. And she was like, you know, my, my mom is really in a lot of pain. Maybe you can help her. And then Linda came in and she not only got pain-free in five sessions, but also lost 30 pounds over the course of six months. And then her husband came in and he lost 35 pounds. And then Ryan, <laughs> the, 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 the father of Meredith, came in and he lost weight and got fit. And Meredith, in this time, the five-year-old, because they started working out at home, she's like, oh, are you guys playing with exercise bones? And that's what she called dumbbells. <laughs> she saw them as bones, like a dog bone. And she's like, are you guys playing with exercise bones? And so they got her little baby weights, like, you know, little one pounders. And all of a sudden they have this culture that has changed within the family where instead of 3,500 calories on Thanksgiving, they're doing the turkey trot in the mornings and they're going for the 5k, you know, jog on a holiday instead of, instead of just consuming and gaining weight. And, and it became this beautiful culture where everybody wanted to connect that way. And the daughter, you know, what, what felt better and she was more energized at school and, and had, you know, now she's 13 or 14 and like, and the habits still carry over. It's just this beautiful culture that changes. And like you said, it's like, if we want to be the change, uh, that is, that that's going to have a beautiful ripple effect. I have a, um, uh, a client who I taught some breathwork meditation and he's like, mornings are the worst he comes in looking just stressed after dropping his kids off at school he's like my kids are bonkers and they're fighting everything and i'm like let's trick them into a little bit of breath work or meditation and, and he gave this little competitive challenge about sitting down and breathing with him on a on the couch and they did that for just three minutes and all of a sudden it's a habit that they cannot miss because the kids love it and he you know, it calms them immediately and they're actually into it. They're inspired to do it. And so now their mornings are actually peaceful and connecting as opposed to he's just like, can't wait to get them out of the car at school because because they've just been little uh, hellraisers in the morning. So, uh, so yeah, so it's it, you can definitely inspire your kids and then it's just capturing those moments. She calls them exercise bones. And then they start like, uh, you know, bringing in yoga because it's got trees and dog, you know, downward dog. And they bring in, things that complement dog bone type or exercise bones. And then the meditation was huge for that other client. So yeah, it, it can become a cultural thing. It's just a little bit of consistency and it goes a long way. The kids see you're serious about it and then they'll follow suit. And like I said, I know there's a lot more resources that you have available online. I'll make sure those are all linked, but a couple of questions I love to ask at the end of interviews. The first being if there is a book or number of books that have profoundly impacted your life and if so, what they are and why. Yes. Uh, I love this question that you ask on your podcast. And the uh, two that I'll say is healthy at 100. Because that has been my mindset, even since I was 21, 22, is how can I be upright and active and who I want to be now? And how can I be that when I'm 80? How can I be that when I'm 90? And if I make it to 100, how can I be that when I'm 100? And so this really uh, talks about all the cultures where centarians are upright and active and honored in their culture, which is a different topic, but also able to carry water if they're in an indigenous uh, community. They're able to carry water. They're able to uh, grow their food. And, and it's possible, but we have this de-evolution of man mindset in America where we get upright and we get to be full-blown adults. And then at some point we start to hunch forward. And at some point our shoulders are way forward. And then all of a sudden we're on a walker and then we're in a wheelchair and then we're in a nursing home. And it's like, that doesn't have to be the norm. So healthy at a hundred shares my mindset in a big way. And it gives a lot of, easy, it's an easy read, even though it's got great science and information with it too. And it's really inspiring for uh, all of us uh, to say, okay, how do I be pain-free and fit for a lifetime? How do I be 
the person I've always thought I would be in my 40s, 50s, and 60s that, uh, that maybe some of us aren't right now. And then the other book that I love is called Factfulness. And the subtitle is uh, 10 Reasons Why 10 Reasons We're Wrong About the World and Why Things Are Better Than You May Think, or Things Are Better Than You Think. And the reason I love this is because this guy has global experience changing uh, developing countries, changing developed countries, really growing cultures uh, you know, uh, around the world in a constructive way. Because we all, we all want to help society in some way. And this guy has found the best ways to do so. And, and that, so that's really cool to see. But also, we have this negative bias. Our, our minds are designed for negative bias. And the classic example is if you're hiking and you see a stick, you think it's a snake. You know, and then you have to like work with your prefrontal cortex to say, no, 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 it's it's a stick, it's okay, it's safe. And so the news does this and everything else. And so factfulness just outlines some of our instincts that are negatively wired. And then also it just gives how the news isn't you know necessarily right and how the world is doing. Like we have more protected land than we've ever had in the history of our world, you know, industrialized, you know, civilized world. And, and and everything else, and so it's a very cool study on uh, how the world's in a good place for you know in a better place than what we think, and it, it just helps free up our mindset because we can have a lot of guilt if we watch the news for too long or, or any of that. And it's like no no no, like we're 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 doing okay, and 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 this reaffirms that, and then then we can find the true ways to really give back in society. Those are both new recommendations for this podcast. I'll make sure they are linked in the show notes as well. And I'm adding them to my reading list also. And lastly, any parting advice that you want to leave with the listeners today that could be related to something we've talked about or entirely unrelated life advice. Oh, thank you. Um, It's for me, it's always about if I can, if I can let go, that's where life begins. If I can, if I can, you know, and my near-death experience was a clear-cut example of that. I had to let go, and, and and life provided gratefully. Now, if I can, you know, it's like if we're if we're nervous about something, we actually do worse. If I'm nervous about coming on this podcast, I'm going to do worse. It's like if I can let go and just relax and enjoy it, we have a better conversation, we have a better connection, and I convey more so the message I want to convey. And so, if we can especially within health and fitness, we start to grip so tightly. Like I need to see three pounds lost in 30 days or else I'm going to be mad. And and that whole thing, it's like, I, I say that we take life hostage, like give me exactly what we want, what I want or else. And the, or else is we don't realize it, but or else I'm going to be anxious or else I'm going to be depressed or else I'm going to be judgmental or critical or whatever it might be. So if we can relax our grip and just picture that we are creating a masterpiece over time and not every brushstroke is going to be perfect, but we can correct it. If we can say, okay, over 50 years, you know, what am I going to create for the next 50 years of my life and not get so held up on each individual brushstroke? But once in a while, zoom out and be like, how am I doing? That's where that, that, that's been one of the biggest lessons for me is just relax, do my part, let go of the results and, and quit taking life hostage. Because <laughs> you know, like, the, the, like I said, the trade off is give me what I want or else it all comes back to me or else I'm going to be unhappy. And it's like, no, <laughs> like, thank you. And also, what does today, today have in store for me? 
I love that. And it loops back to our beginning conversation about dance in public like no one's watching, even on a busy street or sing out loud. I think of the quote by Naval Ravikant that desire is a contract we make with ourselves to be unhappy until we get what we want. And that we can just choose happiness now and still work toward what we're hoping to achieve. But I agree with you completely. I think that's a beautiful place to wrap up for today. But I'm so grateful for your time. This has been such a fun conversation. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah. Hey, thank you. You and your audience are amazing. And uh, thank you for the work you're doing. You're really providing great content for everybody. Well, thank you. And thanks as always to all of you for listening and sharing your most valuable resources, your time, your energy, and your attention with us today. We're both so grateful that you did. And I hope that you will join me again on the next episode of the Wellness Mama podcast. If you're enjoying these interviews, would you please take two minutes to leave a rating or review on iTunes for me? Doing this helps more people to find the podcast, which means even more moms and families can benefit from the information. I really appreciate your time and thanks as always for listening.